Welcome back. It's time for our Week 12 Pick'em Pod here on the Blackout. We're coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black. Alan, welcome in, man. We've talked about it in our Pick'em Rewind. Now we're getting set here on the Pick'em Pod. We need to bounce back after a rough week. But hey, we gained a little bit of ground on our leader inside the Pick'em standings. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in a big Week 12 where I feel like we have a lot of interesting games on our board. Agreed. Hey, let's let's roll the dice and uh, let's both have a perfect week and then we can come back next week and, and feel much, much better about ourselves. I don't know if you've been able to catch any of that exclusive audio of Kirby Smart's halftime speech against Florida, but he uses lots of expletives, lots and lots and an unfathomable amount of expletives. And, you know, I think like that's the kind of halftime speech that he's giving to us right now about <laughs> getting, getting our poop in a group and ready to go for next week. <laughs> Very interesting. I have not seen the exclusive footage, heard the audio. Uh, maybe I'll have to look it up because it sounds sounds like some entertaining content that uh, shouldn't be missed. Yeah, just have your beeper and and a Bible close by. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's look at our standings. We talked about it in our Pick'em Rewind. Alan, we were able to gain a little bit of ground on our leader. That is Bruce up at the top of the standings. He has 437 points. In second place, we have Ted with 434 points. He got a whole lot closer to Bruce this past week. He's only three points back after being 12 points back the week before. And in third place, we have Jesse back up near the top of the leaderboard with 432 points, only five points off the lead. Those two guys in second and third place are leading the pack for some cool prizes. For Ted, he leads the pack for second place for a pair of Yeet sunglasses, a $50 Visa gift card, and a blackout t-shirt. And Jesse, in third place, leads the pack for a $25 Visa gift card and a blackout t-shirt. So, Alan, man, we have gotten a compressed group of people up at the top with three weeks to go. This thing is fascinating because uh, we're going to have to have some people lay down some good picks here over the final three weeks if they're going to expect to come away with some of these prizes. Yeah, exactly. Life comes at you fast. And it's one of those things, yesterday's manna is not good enough for today. And so you've got to keep putting week after week of good scores up if you want to stay up there. No doubt about it. Alan, where we are in the standings is important to keep up with as well because it dictates how we're going to play our boards week after week. So I'm in a tie for seventh. I have 418 points, and I've gone 67 and 43 in my picks this year. Alan, you're in a tie for 16th with 410 points, and you have gone 66 and 44 in your picks this season. So it's been an up and down year, tons of upsets. We're both in a little bit of a precarious spot because we've got to make some moves up the leaderboard here over the final three weeks. So, Alan, with only three weeks to go, what's your mentality as you look at a pick'em slate? Does your objective or uh, decision-making change a little bit from where you are in the standings and, and looking to make some moves at this point in the year? Yes, absolutely. Over the past week and or two weeks, I've begun to address my strategy to the point where the games that I might have just lowered on the board at this point, if I weren't quite sure, I'm going to be willing to risk the upset because while, yes, it saves space to be in the top 15, to be in the top 10, 
I only care about being in the top three and I play that way, you know? So I'm not trying to save face. I may plummet down the board, trying my best to, <laughs> to get up to the top. And, and I can look at myself in the mirror at night and be okay. Right. Cause I went for the win and I gave it my all. It doesn't mean you do stupid stuff, but it does mean that if you're on those games where you're like, maybe this, this could be like a 60, 40 type game then I might not just move the the favored team down a little bit. I may flip it to see if I can not just get some potential points on somebody, but I can get some actual points on them. It makes a lot of sense. And man, it also I think flows well with the type of year we've had because I've said it again and again to people, this is the craziest year of college football Yep. We have seen since 2007, okay? That's the one qualifier I have. 2007 is the craziest year of college football I've ever seen in my lifetime. I don't think that's ever going to be matched again. And this is the closest we've come since. So the, what I'm saying with that is you're talking about these matchups that maybe a 60-40 in your mind, but man, we keep on seeing weeks in which we have four and five upsets sometimes. So really, some of these games that you think, hey, a team's only going to win it 40% of the time, if you can find a, a few solid reasons why you think they might win in the game, uh, we're seeing enough of these teams that are flipping games on the regular that uh, it should be something that should be considered certainly week after week. Yeah, exactly. And it, it almost ended up being oddly prophetic earlier in the year when we did the, the pick and pot to kind of get everything started, the, the tutorial. And I said, we know less about every single team than we have ever known. And that continues to be true every single week. These teams are erratic, and it's made for a really fun year of college football, but a really hard one, too. Certainly it has, and uh, it is made for a situation in which some weeks you feel pretty solid about your picks, and then you come out of it feeling terrible. Other weeks you feel pretty good, and you end up being pretty good. And there's some weeks where you go in, and you've got no clue. You know it. And you might luckily end up pretty solid, or it might just go with uh, with the way of feeling uneasy going into the weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Alan, as we said, only three weeks to go. And because of last week where I picked up 36 points compared to your 35, it wasn't a good week for either one of us, but I had the better week. So I'm going to start us off with our value picks this week. And Alan, I've got a theme this week. Now, because of where I am in the standings, I have kind of the same philosophy as you. You know, I'm sitting here in a tie for seventh place. Sure, I'm in the top 10, but I'm 19 points off the lead. And I think there's some toss-up games on our board. So I'm going to be looking for situations uh, where I'm looking to pick up some points and make sure that I swing the standings if things go my way. So I have a theme this week of looking for underdogs versus teams with struggling offenses. And I think there's a couple of situations on our board that kind of line up with that. So with my first value pick, again, underdogs against teams with struggling offenses, I'm going to take a look at Iowa State at Oklahoma. Now, if you know spreads, you know these teams, you already know who's favored, you already know who I'm picking. But Oklahoma is a four-point favorite. Alan, that means I'm going with Iowa State in this matchup, and I'll give you the reasons why. Oklahoma, all year long, we've been questioning what's been going on with their offense. It started off with Spencer Rattler at quarterback. Before long, he was benched. We saw Caleb Williams take over. He looked really, really good for a few weeks. But all of a sudden, as of late, Caleb Williams has struggled. This offense under Lincoln Riley has sputtered once again. We saw it against Kansas. We absolutely saw it in the loss at Baylor last week. 
with the Bears winning 27-14 and physically dominating the Oklahoma Sooners. The Sooners allowing nearly 300 rushing yards in that game at 6.3 a carry. Now, on the other side, with Iowa State, we see a team that, you know, they've had some iffy things happen this year, especially as of late. They've lost at West Virginia and at Texas Tech in recent weeks in high-scoring shootouts. That's kind of uncharacteristic of them because their defense is typically solid. But, Alan, the thing that I like about this team is that the offense, I think, has consistently been good this year, even getting better as the season has gone along. Brees Hall has already run for over 1,100 yards on the season at 5.4 yards a carry. I like him against this Oklahoma defense and what they just gave up to Baylor. Brock Purdy has been pretty good this year and has good targets in Xavier Hutchinson and Charlie Kohler. Man, Matt Campbell versus Lincoln Riley, we've seen this thing before. Matt Campbell always seems to have a good game plan for Lincoln Riley's offenses, and this iteration of the Sooners' offense is the worst one we've seen by far in the last few years. And Matt Campbell's figured out a way to win two of the last five matchups with Oklahoma, and even a couple of the losses he has had have been by just one score. So I like Iowa State in this matchup going against an Oklahoma offense that, man, I don't know what we're going to find when the Sooners take the field. Is it Caleb Williams? Is it Spencer Rattler? Do they have the struggles figured out? I don't know. And this Iowa State defense, though they've had a couple of games where they've struggled lately defensively, I think their chances of having a good performance against Oklahoma's offense are pretty high. So I'm going to take Iowa State in the upset in this one. Now, if you're letting the spread dictate your confidence value, With Oklahoma as a four-point favorite, you would put them at either a four or a five on your board. But, Alan, I'm going with the exact philosophy you mentioned just a bit ago. I'm going to take Iowa State in that exact spot on the other side in the upset on the road. I'm taking the Cyclones at probably a four or a five on my board this week. My brother. Yes. Give it to me. We are together. (laughs) We are together again. Yes, my friend. Iowa State sends Oklahoma reeling. It's another physical team, just like Baylor. And even though Oklahoma, as you said, is a four-point favorite, puts you on four or five on the board. I think Lincoln Riley's kind of lost this team a bit this year. And because of that, I do not think, because of its two leaders, I don't think this team's going to respond to adversity very well. As you kind of talked about, this is more of a feel kind of a read pick. This is not like an analytics or data type pick, so we'll see. But I'm I'm going with the Cyclones as well at that that two or three. That was my top value pick. And just so everybody knows, we don't discuss these beforehand because we want this to be absolutely raw as we read and react to, to one another. And so, man, that, that feels good. And I'm hoping we get some big points on the big guys, even though we're giving some of our secrets away to everybody. Absolutely, because, hey, we're still taking a shot. You know, this is an interesting one, man, because when you look at that ESPN Pick'em board, right now the Sooners have, what, 95-plus percent of people on them to win this game. And because they're ranked and Iowa State is not, we're going to see some people venturing the Sooners up into the territory of, say, a 7 an eight, maybe a nine, but I think this game is in complete danger territory. You mentioned it kind of reading this game. You know, I I don't know that Iowa State's going to win the game, but when you talk about Oklahoma, you have to remember that their schedule is backloaded. 
up to this point, you know, they've had an easy schedule for the most part all year long. I think Baylor's far and away the best team they've played. And again, they got dominated in that game. They have a lot of things to work out. And I don't know that a week is going to be enough time to figure those things out against an experienced, talented, usually pretty good Iowa State team that, yeah, they've had some struggles as of late, but I I would not want to be Lincoln Riley trying to figure out problems offensively going up against this experienced unit. Yeah, I agree. They're going to be hungry. Iowa State has wildly under-succeeded this year. I mean, they have really been much lower than where they they started the year number seven overall, I think, something like that, and, and just have not had the year that they were anticipating. But they've got a chance to correct some of those things and have a chance to really just ruin the year for Oklahoma and their fans and for me as a Tennessee fan, ruin both Wanya Morris and Eric Gray's year, which brings me some sort of sadistic pleasure. <laughs> Very understandable. It's going to be wild to see this game go down because I think it's really going to be close. And there are going to be a lot of people with a lot of points on Oklahoma who are going to be sweating this thing out. But, yep. man, I, I think Iowa State just a good play in this one, and it'll be interesting to see if it comes out in our favor. But but I like the Cyclones in this spot because, like I said, you know, Matt Campbell has coached the team well in this matchup. They haven't won all of them, but they've been very close lots of times. They've gotten a couple of wins. And, again, I think this is the worst iteration of Oklahoma that he's been able to face to this point. So I think that is a wonderful thing to think about in this matchup. Agreed. And that's going back to what I mentioned earlier in the podcast. This is the difference between just moving Oklahoma down your board and flipping the game to Iowa State, right? When you're behind, you need those points desperately. You take a little risk. And, you know, some of those folks that are going to be in that mid-range around you or a little bit behind you may end up having Oklahoma at a 7 or 8. And they may end up jumping me and making me look stupid and be like 23rd next week. But I'm going down with some conviction. <laughs> Absolutely. And hey, the advice would be the same. If there's somebody up at the top of the leaderboard who's trying to protect a lead, you know, it, it may not be that you flip over to Iowa State unless you feel that conviction that they're going to win the game. But otherwise, the advice would be to drop the Sooners because like you're saying, yes. you have that kind of safety net below you that, hey, if they win, you still collect some points. But this game, I think, is absolutely in play. I think that Iowa State very well could be the better team. I'm not convinced of it just because of some of their defensive struggles. But I think there's a possibility that they look like the better team all throughout 60 minutes of this game on Saturday. So I like the pick a lot. But people up the top, if you're thinking the same thing, you know, put Oklahoma at a two or a three rather than that four or five, you might really be thinking yourself at the end of the day. Yeah, that's very, very true. All right, Alan. Now for my second value pick, you mentioned we don't talk about this beforehand, but you've already tipped your hand in one area going back. I think it was on our pick and rewind that you kind of mentioned this. So I know we are not the same on our second value pick, just off of previous comments you've made. So we're okay with that. I'm going same philosophy underdogs versus teams with struggling offenses. Alan, I'm taking a shot on one this week. Wake Forest at Clemson, where we have the Clemson Tigers as also a four-point favorite, the exact same spot that we find Oklahoma. Now, what have we seen from Clemson this year? They've got a talented defense, but it's really, really banged up. They've got a lot of injuries, some coming off of the game against UConn this past week that should be accounted for. But this Clemson offense, you might argue that they've found their footing a little bit. They put up 30 points in a win against Florida State, 30 points in a win at Louisville. 
And then this past week, 44 points in a win against UConn. Alan, I'm going to zoom in on this game against UConn because Clemson put up 476 yards, nearly 500 on the game is one of their best outputs of the season. But man, I think when you break it down just beyond the yardage, you find out that this Clemson team still struggles offensively. They went 5 of 22 on third downs. They had to go for it on fourth down six times, including a fake field goal that they got a touchdown on. To me, this team settles for way too many field goals against a team like UConn and struggles on third down in a matchup with Wake Forest that, hey, has not been a good defensive team, but has a little bit of talent on their front line. I think that Clemson's still going to struggle offensively against a high-powered Wake Forest team, not to mention the fact that earlier today, as we record on Tuesdays, the news broke that Clemson's top wide receiver, Justin Ross, is going to be out for this game. He has a foot injury that very well may require surgery later this week. If so, he's probably done for the season, but he leads Clemson's team in receptions at 46 yards at 514, and touchdown receptions at three. He's off the board for Saturday. No worry for Wake Forest defense there. On the other side, Wake Forest has some injury concerns themselves. Sam Hartman is the quarterback who's done really well. Not that an injury is a concern with him, but you mentioned some of the turnover problems that he's had back in our pick and rewind. He's got to get those things corrected against a good Clemson defense, but again, it's banged up. A.T. Perry has been an awesome receiver for them. There is a question about Jaquari Roberson as he went down with an injury against NC State and didn't come back in the game. I am not sure if he's going to be on the field at Clemson, but regardless, I think Wake Forest has a bunch of receivers who make big plays for them. He's just one that I don't want to miss for this game, but regardless, I kind of like this spot for Wake Forest. Again, a high-flying offense going up against a Clemson team that has a hard time scoring. Again, if you let the spread dictate your confidence value, you would put Clemson as a four-point favorite at either a four or a five this week. But, Alan, I'm going to flip that to the other side. I'm looking for the upset in what I think will be a very, very close game. I'm going to put stock in the Wake Forest offense that has bailed us out a bunch of times this year, and I hope it happens again. This one's just going to be a lower value for me. I'm going to take Wake Forest somewhere in the low section on my board, maybe a two through a four this week. And looking initially at this line, my heart of hearts just kind of rejects that Clemson's a four-point favorite. That just feels off, doesn't it? A um, little bit, yeah. There are some funky lines a little bit. And and again, we mentioned this earlier in the year against Pitt. It's almost as if Clemson still has some of that name recognition and, and gets kind of the respect and tip of the cap from Vegas of a few extra points maybe than they should. Now, certainly, Wake Forest is vulnerable, as we've talked about, but this iteration of the Clemson team is is not, as you've mentioned, not great on offense at all. It has struggled, and quite frankly, UConn is probably, if not the worst, one of the top five worst teams in all of FBS. I mean, there's probably at least 10 to 15 teams. All of the playoff teams in FCS are probably better than UConn. I mean, this UConn team is terrible. Some hot sauce garbage. So I I don't put a ton of stock into them, even struggling to score 44 against that team. So I'm kind of picking up on what you're throwing down. I don't know exactly where I'm going to have this or where I'm going quite yet, but that's my gut feel is – that four points uh, for Clemson just feels off. There's no way I'm having them that high 
So we'll see kind of where I end up, but I'm feeling it a little bit. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about the spread. I think the spread comes back to historical factor with Clemson being so good over the last decade. Uh, The fact that they recruit at a really good level, the fact that the defense has been good all year despite the fact that the offense has struggled so much, but they are really banged up. They've got a ton of injuries. I don't know what they're going to look like come Saturday, and with Justin Ross coming off the field, to me, I just think that DJ Uyunglele and the struggles he's had this year, barely completing over 50% of his passes, take away his top target, and I just don't know that Clemson can score with this Wake Forest team. Now, Wake is going up against the best defense far and away that it's seen this year, and maybe yes. they're maybe they're held to their lowest output of the season. But if they can reach the low 30s, if they hit like 31, I don't think they lose this game. If they're in the upper 20s, say 27, 28, I think there's a very good chance they win this game because I think you know upper 20s, low 30s is what wins this game. And I think Wake Forest, nine times out of 10, is going to be more dangerous as far as putting those points up than Clemson is. So I, not that they win this matchup nine times out of 10. I don't think that's the case. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that Clemson has the offensive firepower to consistently put up good offensive drives despite going up against a very, very weak Wake Forest defense. I, I mean, I just think there's going to be more consistency on the Wake Forest side. Yeah, I like where your head's at in that regard. When you put numbers to it, it, it does feel like if they get in the upper 20s to low 30s, there is a very good chance that they win this game with particularly losing by far and away their most effective weapon. The the biggest thing is, will Wake Forest be able to stop the run? If they stop right. the run all, then I have a great, great feeling that Wake Forest wins this game. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because the running game for Clemson was really bad early in the year. It's okay now. They've found a way to get a little bit of ground on the ground, but uh, I'm with you. If Wake Forest is able to slow down the ground game and not just get churned up and eaten up there, then uh, then I think there's very good odds they win this game. Agreed. Alan, where are you going for your second value pick this week? All right, man. This is amazing to me. We've got two top 10 teams that are underdogs against almost unranked teams and one unranked team. So how many times do you see the number three team in the United States of America as an underdog before some type of actual championship game? You you rarely see that. But Oregon is a three-point dog this week. They're going to Utah, so they're they're climbing up, uh, you know, the Mormon Mountain and, and facing the Utes. And so that would put Utah as your number two or three pick, which is, to me, is just wild that they're favored. But here's the thing. Looking at them statistically, they are essentially the same team, each averaging 35 a game and giving up 22 a game. Utah has been playing very well with their only conference loss coming a few weeks ago now at Oregon State. But I think this Oregon team is getting rolling, and I think both of their conference losses are going to be to the great state of Oregon. So I think they drop another one here. And Oregon does just enough because, quite frankly, I know the Pac-12 wants some of that that playoff money. So um, not that they're going to rig this game or anything like that, but I, I just get a feeling that that Oregon's going to be able to do just enough and may may get a call or two that's that's a 50-50 type of call to to make sure that that they get in and Pac-12 can get some of that that they don't want their top team going down on Saturday night. And so I'm flipping that. 
and I, I think Oregon does just enough, and I'm going to have them in that probably that three or four range. Yeah, I think that makes some sense if you're going with Oregon. I can't tell you exactly where I'm going with this game. Honestly, I've looked at it a number of times. Like you said, statistically, a lot of factors with these teams look the same. And the fact that Cameron Rising has really increased the output of this Utah offense, Oregon has struggled some against the pass. Those are some things I'm taking into account with this game. I can't tell you where I'm going to land on this game as I go deeper into this week because it's frankly going to take me a lot of looks at this matchup to figure out where I want to go. But I am going to have it low on my board. It's kind of like you said. You may have Oregon up at a three or four. I think that's about the absolute highest I would venture in taking either one of these teams. So I might end up on the Utes. I might end up on the Ducks. I'm not really positive. But at the end of the day, I might end up going with the home team, Utah. If I do, it's going to be very low on my board. It might even be a one. So I don't feel confident at all in how this game's going to turn out, but I can't blame you on wanting to go with the Ducks, the fact that they found time and time again a way to win games this season. Yeah, they have just found a way to win football games. And so I'm going to keep going with them. I think they'll be able to run the ball enough. I don't anticipate them be able to throw the ball a ton, to be totally honest with you, because they've not consistently been able to do that. And so I don't anticipate them being able to do it all that much again this week, but I do think that they will be able to run the ball just enough to make it work and get the win. I think this is going to be close, but I think they'll be able to take it in the end. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a close game. To me, it feels kind of coin flippy, uh, but I'm going to keep on looking at it deeper into the week, see if I can find an edge somewhere that allows me to push it up a little bit higher than, say, a one or a two on my board because uh, if I can find that confidence in it, it means I can move something else down. That would help an awful lot this week as uh, I think there are some dicey games. So, Alan, as we move into the final three weeks of the season, we've got a lot of things to come down the pipe, and it's going to be interesting to see how the standings lay out. But we've got to let people know that our ESPN Bowl Mania group is now open. That's right. The Blackout has an ESPN Bowl Mania group. It's up. It is Out there, the invitations have already been sent out over email if you have already registered with us. That's everybody who registered with us for the regular season competition. If you're listening to this and you have not ever registered for one of our picks, you can find the registration form at bellyupsports.com. You can find it all over our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter. We want people to go ahead and jump in that group. Sure, we have a few weeks until bowl matchups are presented before us, but you can go ahead and get your spot in the group and make sure you can fight your way out for some prizes and uh, we want to see this group get big quick and get up on the front pages of ESPN's website that'll give us a chance to kind of stand out and get people a better understanding of what we are providing here on the blackout so Alan some cool things going on and we'll announce some prizes later on and what those will look like as we work our way toward this bowl pick at the conclusion of our regular season competition let's get going on the bowls I'm excited. This should be a, a really fun year after last year. Kind of last year was fun and well, I won the league. So like I can, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that obviously, but there should be a, a little bit more of a return to normalcy. I know several of the bowls have, have canceled, but enough of them, you know, are playing that it's going to be a good year. It certainly should be. Of course, you can always follow us on social media. You can find Alan at AD on the blackout. You can find myself at TB on the blackout. And of course, we would love to have you all back with us again 
for week 13 as we dive into another Pick'em Rewind and a Pick'em Pod right here on the best college football Pick'em Pod in the land. Alan, thank you so much for your time, sir. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.